as we think of sharing the reality of Christ, one of the things that we cannot do, cannot afford to do, is neglect the needs and the people that we're sharing with. Typically, the needs are not as extreme as what we see here, but they do exist. And so the question is, how will we respond? I want to remind you of a verse in Acts chapter 10. I've used it several times in this series, and one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Acts 10, 38 says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And God is asking us to simply be obedient to him as Christ was, surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit, and then allow God to use us to touch people in whatever way he determines. In this case, just food. And there was a part there, and it, it, I, it's funny when I watched it previously, it, it didn't catch my attention, but it did there. When the little boy is sitting there with the food, and he's not eating. And you don't realize that some of these kids, when they haven't eaten for a long time, it's really hard for them to eat. It's hard for them to even have the energy to eat. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense to us, maybe, but it does there, and it's such a reality. And that's why I went to my office real quick and grabbed this picture a few years ago when we were there as a team, and we were in the leper colony in Delhi. Uh, when we rolled up to the leper colony, we had a pastor with us. His name was Philip. Philip was a um, international, excuse me, national basketball player. He was almost seven feet tall. If you can imagine an Indian, almost seven feet tall. Let's just say he was head and shoulders above the rest. But he was the pastor who was with us to help us and to walk through the times we're doing. And so we go to the leper colony, and when we roll up, I asked Philip, I said, what is there that we as a team could do for this group of people here that they typically don't get? He said, well, the one thing they rarely get is fresh fruit. And so the team went in and began to minister and talk to people and pray with people, and Philip and I and our driver went to the... uh, market down the street. We loaded up on bananas and apples and oranges and everything we could think of that they would eat. And we took it back. Now you have to understand when you walk into a leper colony, they want to know if you're going, if you're willing to accept them. And so typically what happens is they extend to you a hand that has no fingers. Because if you're not going to touch them, I know this sounds weird, but if you're not going to touch them, they're not going to have anything to do with you. And I want to tell you, our team did a fantastic job. They were there. They were touching. They were ministering. Presence of God. But we had this driver who was a Hindu who, first of all, we had to go through a lot just to make him drive us to the leper colony because he didn't want to go. And so when you saw that video to show the reality of Christ in a Hindu nation where even the restaurant owner would involve himself in demonstrating humanity or in in demonstrating the help of humanity. This driver, he was difficult. And so we get all this fruit, we carry it in, and we start distributing it. And then there's this little child. It's hard to know the age because of lack of nutrition. They don't develop well often. 
And he brings a little child. We're, we're there at the school uh, where the uh, two Christian girls from Hope Givers are teaching the kids. And he brings this little child and sets him down and says, she didn't get anything. And it's like he's accusing us now <laughs> of, you know, we're not being good Christians because we missed somebody. And uh, so one of the teachers handed this child a piece of banana. And she was so weak, she just stood there and looked at it. And so the picture that was taken was mine and Sheila's daughter, Kyra, as she got down on her hands and knees, or not her hands, on her knees in that leper colony and fed this little child a banana. I watched a Hindu driver melt. <laughs> he, he was not the same guy that arrived at the leper colony. And then on the way back, uh, our pastor Philip was able to share the reality of Christ with him. Whether or not he ever came or not, came to know Christ, I have no idea. But that's the kind of sensitivity we all need to have. So we're here with Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd has followed because they're attracted to what? The miracles they've seen him doing. Now, again, Sometimes our modern mind can mess us up interpretation of Scripture. They did not have all the medical facilities and doctors and medicines that we have. That wasn't their world. And so when someone comes on the scene and supernaturally he is able to touch people and heal people and deliver people from demonic influence, it's going to be a crowd. <laughs> you can count on it. So he goes to the other side, climbs the hill and sits down. Surrounded by his disciples, it was nearly time for the feast of the Passover, kept annually by the Jews. So there's this crowds of people are moving now during the season, headed for Jerusalem for the Passover. And Jesus and his disciples are in that process. But he's pulled aside now with his disciples because he said that he wants to have time with them. But Jesus looked down and he saw the large crowd. And this is what we're talking about today. He saw the large crowd that had arrived and he said to Philip. By the way, this is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. Not sure why, but it is. And each one gives a little different nuance of what took place this day of the feeding of the 5,000. So he turns to Philip, who actually his hometown is not far away. He says, where can we buy bread to feed these people? See, you're kind of familiar with the region, right, Philip? Where's the, where's the nearest grocery store? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. Because he already knew what he was going to do. Let's pause there for a minute. Is it possible that holy God would want to stretch our faith? That he would put us in circumstances and situations where needs would be. That he would be calling us to be a part of the solution. A part of the help. A part of meeting the need? Well, I want to tell you the answer is yes. 
He will and he does. Now, what we do about it will be up to us. So let me give you some illustrations here. This morning I came in. Levi's over here getting ready to eat his biscuit for breakfast. And I asked him to give me his biscuit. And he offered it to me. I didn't take it because I didn't need it. But he willingly said, here, here's my biscuit. Now, obviously, looking at me, I don't need another biscuit. But he was willing to give what he had. Last Sunday, we were having our wonderful time. Did you guys have a great time last week? Those who were able to be here and be out under the... Having a great time. And, and so I've got this young lady helping me uh, hand out drinks. Like, it's really hard, you know, open the cooler to get you a drink. I mean, I was, I was sweating doing that job. But she's there. And she looks around and she says, who's that guy out there by the bouncy house? I said, well, that's one of the guys that comes with Al from Gaffney when he brings the floats and water rides and all for us because they man those for us. She goes, do you think he's hot? I said, I expect he is. She said, you think he would like a bottle of water? I said, I expect he would. I said, in fact, there are three people out there who are probably hot needing a bottle of water. She grabs three bottles of water and goes out and gives out the bottles of water. By the way, you know what her name was? I thought that was interesting. Her name was Zoe. You know what Zoe means? What's it mean? It's your kid. What's it mean? (laughs) 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 Oh, oh. I didn't prep them, as you might have realized by now. Her name means life. It actually, if you follow, follow it back through the Greek and the Hebrew, it goes back and it's really a, a change in translation of the name Eve. But it means life. There's actually a water company, a ministry called Zoe Water that digs wells in countries where there isn't water. And it's called Zoe Ministries. Last Christmas, we had the Christmas shop, and we had families that came, some of them who did not have a Christmas tree for Christmas for their family, and we were able to provide for those families, not just a Christmas tree, but gifts and an opportunity to hear the reality of Jesus Christ. Now, The point I'm very definitely making today is there are plenty of needs around us. We may never be called on to get the bread for 5,000 people. And by the way, just so you know, it says 5,000 men. Guess what? They didn't come alone. They brought their wives. They brought their children. So the conservative estimate for this crowd will be about 20,000. So when Philip is asked, where's the bread? <laughs> Look what he says. 200 silver pieces would not be enough to buy bread for each person here to get a piece. Not a, not a meal, but a piece. This is about three quarters of a year's salary for a laborer at that particular time. And that's to get a piece, not a meal. 
We have any Phillips in the room? Just checking. Any Phillips in the room? That you've been challenged by God to do something? And you looked at the need and you thought, oh, way more than I can potentially do. And that's one reason I wanted to show the video of here's one guy at least feeding one child. The picture of Kyra, one person feeding one child. Whatever it is that God puts in front of us, and it's not always food, it's always spiritual food, but it's not always physical food. But we calculate what it's going to cost me. Am I right? What's it going to? And let me tell you what, you know what the greatest gift you can ever give to any person anywhere is your time. Now, I don't mean waste your time. In fact, it tells us in Ephesians, we're supposed to buy the time up, which means use it wisely. Only got so much time left. We never get it back. But whatever the need is that God puts in front of us, we should respond. Well, Andrew is seeing a little something different because he says, wait a minute, there is a, there's some food. There's a little boy here. He's got five barley loaves and two fish, but that's a drop in the bucket for this many people. Now, I got to tell you, early on as a new Christian studying the Bible, I'm thinking, Okay, and, and I heard about the, the, the women and the kids, and so about 20,000 people. I'm thinking, okay, out of that big a crowd, surely somebody besides this little kid shows up with food. But yet, if you read it carefully, it implies that that's just not the case. For whatever reason, this little boy was the only one his mama packed him a lunch. And then you're thinking, wait a minute, what does one little kid need with five loaves of bread? Well, guess what? That's not what that is. It really is a lunch. It's like five little pieces of bread and some sardines to put in between it. That's basically what it is. But that's a drop in the bucket. How many times has God put you in a place and you see the need of people and you say it's a drop in the bucket? When the folks over the years that were able to go to India with me, I would tell them, the need is so great. Think of it this way. God has given you a thimble full of whatever it is he's given you and you take and you dump it in that ocean of need because that's how it plays out. And our world's like that. It's a drop in a bucket. It's a thimble in the ocean. Jesus said, well, just have everybody sit down. There's grass there. It's a nice place. 5,000 again. That's later on you see in other translations says men. Then Jesus took the bread, having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. So here's how this plays out. What wasn't enough, by any means, is given to who? 
It's on the board. Given to who? Okay, am I not? Okay, he took the food, right? Okay, this is basic Sunday school. The answer to every question is Jesus, okay? Just so you know. So Jesus took the bread and the fish. He gave thanks and then it was distributed to all those who were seated. So what wasn't enough was given to whom? Oh, I see. My grammar wasn't correct the first time. I said who. Now I'm saying whom. Okay, now we got it. So what wasn't enough was given to whom? And all ate as much as they wanted. Is that not cool? When we take what we have and we give it to Jesus and he blesses it and he distributes it, it won't be just enough, but there was leftovers. Think about that. Jesus here on the mountainside, all these folks, and again, if you want to be, go back and say, well, it just says 5,000, but it does say 5,000 men. If that's all it was, that's still pretty huge. Maybe, maybe we need to back up just a moment. I guess my question is, how many of us are even willing for God to do something like that in our lives. How many of us are willing for him to put us in a circumstance or a situation where the need before us is so great that the only response we can possibly have is to give what we have to him? That's how this works. (laughs) I I don't know if there's anything... Uh, really symbolic about the fact that as they fed all the people and then he tells the disciples to gather up the leftovers, there's 12 baskets full. There's probably no symbolism in that, right? That there's 12 disciples, 12 baskets. Ah, look at the lesson in front of me. You know, you got to admit, sometimes it, it really appears God's got a sense of humor. Now, the fact he puts up with us really implies he has a sense of humor. But think about that. These guys are there and they're going, okay, what are we going to do? Philip says there's no place to buy food. If we, if we could go buy food, we don't have enough money. Andrew says, okay, we got a few little fish over here and some, and some bread. Uh, and Jesus says, just let me have it. Just let me have it. And watch what I do. And, and we get to see what he did. And the people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done. See, that's the thing. If all we ever do is what we can do, they will never know that he's the one who's at work. They'll never know. But when we're willing For God to put us in those places where we are challenged beyond where we can possibly see ourselves physically, but God is working to increase our faith and to grow us, 
then that's how this world who so desperately needs him will see that he is greater. I heard a testimony yesterday. Young man who'd come to know Christ and at an early age. So he came to know Christ. Didn't have a father in his life. And then as he started to being involved in his local church, he said he realized how bad things were. There was so much immorality. There was so much uh, ethical <laughs> scarcity, scarcity, and get that word right in a minute, uh, in that particular congregation. He said, after watching these people for a while that were all talking about knowing God and having this relationship with Christ, he said, finally, he said, you know what? If God, if, if these aren't real, then God's not real. He said, so I set out on this life then of living as if God wasn't real. He said, along the way, I enlisted in the military, and I met this staff sergeant. And the first time that I met him, he explained to all of us that his life was dependent upon God. He said, you know what I did? I laughed in his face. He said, because I knew, based on the people that I had been around before who named the name of Jesus, there was no God, and this was just a joke. He said, every time that sergeant would get around me, he would have something to say about God and about Jesus. He said, then one night we were put on a, an assignment, and we were placed in a real small compartment duty station. Me and him. He goes, man, this is a long 12-hour watch. I know how I'm going to stay awake. I'm going to ask him questions and make fun of his answers. He said, and that's what I started doing. He said, but somewhere along the way, it wasn't funny anymore. And this guy was telling me the reality of Christ that I had never really heard about before. And he said, before our watch was over, I had come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And by the way, when he gave his testimony yesterday, he gave his testimony to someone who is now in full-time ministry, who has a ministry, a street ministry, to help people who are in need. And he said, we just go out and look for them, and we find them, and we help them. When God challenges us, and by the way, just so you know, it isn't that we're not being challenged. It's just that so many times we don't respond to the challenge well. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had done. So all of this that we're talking about is simply back to having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us to have his will and his way, Father's will and way through him in our lives so that everybody we have the opportunity to touch can be touched by the living God. So the question is, 
What are we going to do about it? Well, the folks, they, they said, man, this, this guy's a prophet. Now, remember, they're living, looking for the Savior. They just were looking kind of in the wrong direction. Jesus saw their enthusiasm. They were about to grab him, make him king, so he slips away. Have you ever noticed that? As you read the Scripture, Jesus will do these miracles. He says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Now, it always got told, but the point is he wasn't looking for fame or recognition. But all the time, always simply saying to every one of us, as he said to his disciples that day, just do what is to be done in front of you. So now we're going to get kind of personal. We've all been through the pandemic. All the stuff that's come with it. Some we understand, much we don't. I get that. But one of the things we've noticed here as we began to move back to somewhat normalcy is how people who were serving previously are no longer serving. That's interesting. By the way, if you're here and I'm talking to you and then you need to know I'm talking to you. Because we are a body, a local body, who represents the reality of Christ. And in this local body, there are things that simply need to be done. It's just like our home. With all that's gone on and all that went on, guess what? I still took out the trash because the trash needed to be taken out. Sheila still washed the clothes because the clothes still need to be washed. Here in this family, there are things that need to be done. Kids need to be taken care of. We are blessed. Do you understand how blessed we are as a church to have all the children we have? I could should have got at least two amens out of that one. And we have them on the way in case you didn't know. God just keeps giving us children. We're so blessed. But when he gives them to us, we're supposed to take care of them. You say, well... I'm not sure I have the capacity. Well, have you ever asked God if he's going to help you with it? The whole time we ask anybody to serve us, always, what does God want you to do? I understand taking precautions. I understand that things have been different and more difficult than it has in any time that we've known of previously. But it's time to step up for all of us. So I'm admonishing you today, step up. Do the things that need to be done in this body for the glory of God because that's the only reason we need to do them anyway. And the other thing that's taken a back seat is the fact that we used to have those times when we would just have folks come and we would pray for them and anoint them with oil and pray for healing and, and for God to work in their lives. And, you know, everybody's afraid to touch. You know, we've, we've gone through the season of contemporary leprosy where we're just afraid to touch people and afraid to be touched. And I get it. Okay, it's different. It's been difficult. But it's time to say, you know what? God, we're going to move forward. We're going to believe you that you're going to work a work of grace. Does that mean that nobody's going to get sick? I can't tell you that because I don't know that. But here's what I do know. The Holy Spirit of God, God himself is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So starting today, we're going to pray for folks who need prayer. If you're willing, and we'd never force it, 
if you're willing, we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. Because there's been a phenomenal thing happening. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. More and more people are getting sick and they can't be diagnosed. I don't know if you realize it or not. Our son Jordan is one of those. And I'm not doing this because of him. But more and more people are getting sick and they go through all these doctors and all these tests and nobody can explain why they are where they are, that what's happening to them is happening to them. Well, I think that should move it back to us as the church, the body of Christ, and say, guess what? The reason the people followed Jesus is because the power of God was being activated through his life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We're the body of Christ today on earth. We're not the whole body of Christ, but we're this local part of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is upon us to do the very same thing. So, if you're here, oh, let, me, let me give the caution because it's been a while and, and, and I need to help us understand. We're moving back to something we've been away from for a long time. As you pray for people, one of the things you want to make sure of is that you cleanse yourself. Because we don't realize sometimes when we're praying for folks, we actually transfer things to them. Not intentionally, it just happens. So take a moment, ask the Holy Spirit, anything in me that needs to be, if you're one of those willing to pray today, and I hope you will, uh, is there something in me that needs to be taken care of before I pray for this person, whoever that person may be and whatever, need, whatever their need might be. Everybody got that? There's, there's a caution there, okay? Always, we want to do the caution. Again, the other thing is we don't lay hands on people without asking for them. I was, I was trying, the other day I was, not the other day, the other week I was somewhere, and Jordan and I were doing some time of prayer, and there was this lady there, and she walked over and said, can you pray for me? And I said, well, certainly I can. I said, can I touch you? And I just put my hand on her head, and we're standing outside and prayed for her, and she got the relief that she needed and went about her business. You always ask permission. There's an, there's an etiquette in how we do ministry and how we do healing and all that. So that's something that I know we've been away from for a long time, and, and again, we're, we're moving back to what I believe God has for us as local family. So if you're here and you like prayer, please come down. Just line up across here. And if you're willing to pray for folks, come and pray for them as God instructs you to do so.